Hello, and welcome back to the Type Theory Commute. I'm Aaron Stump, and we're talking about DCS, a new language and tool that I'm working on together with Stefan Monnier and um, other cl uh, collaborators who are getting involved in the project. And so um, today I want to tell you, um, I'm adding some documentation to the repo, and I put the link in last week's show notes, and I'll put it again in this week's show notes. Uh, and I wanted to give you kind of a little bit of a different view of DCS. Um, so coming from the pr perspective of uh, termination checking. And so that's what I want to talk about today. And I've, this is, goes along with some of the documentation that I'm uh, putting on the DCS repo now. So in particular, I've got an introduction file, intro.md in the docs directory. And this podcast is kind of going along with that. So uh, when we're talking about trying to statically enforce termination of functions, which is what DCS's core language is trying to do. As I explained before, the vision here, um, and I should acknowledge that there, there's, I'm aware, actually Stefan made me aware, of one other tool out there, one other language that has a similar kind of idea, um, which is F-Star. F-Star is a really amazing project the rich and complex language and approach to verifying very difficult, doing extremely difficult verifications. Uh, and they have a similar setup where there's a core language that's pure and terminating, and then you layer other um, things that don't fit into that. You layer them outside with monads. So um, that's the idea that DCS is pursuing. And the core language, though, is what I'm focusing on today. And it's in statically... The core language's um, type system statically enforces termination. So any program you can write and can pass the type checker in the core language is guaranteed to terminate on all inputs. Sometimes people call that uniform termination, terminating on all inputs. Uh, and so if you compare this, like there really isn't, the only languages I'm aware of that are comparable, um, there's actually a really interesting project called Charity from some years or maybe decades ago. Um, by Robin Cockett, and it has some lovely notes. And it's just like, I mean, DCS is similar to Charity in that it's following an algebraic approach to data types. And I don't remember, <clears throat> I'm not sure that Charity was trying to enforce termination, but it might have been. Anyway, there's some really great notes out there called Charitable Thoughts by Cockett, and that, that I recommend those as um, very nice reading related to this topic. Uh, anyway, um, but really, the main, only really similar tools that I'm aware of are in the world of type theory. So, Koch and Agda and Lean, um, because they're using the Curry-Howard isomorphism, uh, they need to enforce termination of all the functions you write. Otherwise, um, since under Curry-Howard, as we've talked about in this podcast some time ago, you know, uh, a proof by induction really turns into a recursion, a terminating recursion. And just the same way that, you know, you can't just use your induction hypothesis willy-nilly. Uh, under Curry-Howard, that means you can't just make random recursive calls on anything you want. There's some restrictions required to ensure termination, which is what you need to ensure soundness of in your induction. And so those tools have a termination checker. And I want to contrast their termination checkers a little bit with the DCS's approach because DCS's approach is really totally different. <laughs> so the Clock Agda and Lean um, are using uh, syntactic checks for structural termination. 
So they look at your source code and they try to figure out, um, they, well, they look at your source code and they check, essentially, the essence of what's happening is it's checking that if you're writing a recursive function, every time you make a recursive call, you're calling, your argument is actually a structural sub-value of the starting value. What do I mean by structural sub-value? For example, if you're writing a recursion over lists, then in the cons case, where you have a head cons onto a tail list, a head element cons onto a tail list, um, you need to just make recursive calls on the tail. And the these tools will actually check your code to make sure that, oh, here's a recursive call that's being made to this function, and then we need to see that that recursive call is being made on the pattern variable that you got when you pattern matched and said, oh, what if my input is cons x x's? It needs to be a recursive call on x's. And that's that's the heart of what's happening in Calk, Agda, and Lean. Now, at least Agda, and I think Calk 2, presumably Lean as well, they actually try to throw in some special sauce to sort of extend this a little bit. Um, so there are examples that will type check in Agda that don't, for example, I confirmed this like last night, that don't strictly follow structural termination. Uh, and I'll, I can try to talk about one of those in a little bit. But um, they're in a sense, sort of of necessity, they're doing something heuristic. We can't have, it's you know provably impossible to have a sound and complete termination checker uh, so if you're trying to write up an algorithm that looks at code and says, yes, this terminates on all inputs or no, it doesn't, you will fail. Um, you're of necessity from recursion theoretic limits, you're going to have to be approximate somewhere. So somewhere there's going to either, or you'd be on sound, which no one wants to be. So, you, you know, the choice to make here is to be approximate. So there'd be some terminating functions where your termination checker just has to say, I'm sorry, I just really can't tell if this is terminating. It doesn't fit within the, the scope of my termination checking. Now, I would say one knock on, this happens all the time in programming language design, is that people try to extend things a little bit. And as you do so, if you extend sort of heuristically, it becomes hard to specify exactly what your termination checker allows. It doesn't have a sort of nice, clear, crisp definition anymore. Because again, Agda goes beyond structural termination. And I'll give you an example. And these examples are covered in this intro.md document that I mentioned. So let's imagine a very silly artificial function called 2,0. Okay, it takes a natural number and it's going to recursively gobble through that natural number and at the end produce zero. Okay, so it says like, well, 2,0, the base case is 2,0 of zero is just zero. And 2,0 of a successor of x, we're gonna just recurse on x. So I hope it's pretty obvious that all we're going to, this function is going to do is just peel off successors until we reach zero and then return zero. So it's, it's an artificial example, but it's kind of nice to have something sort of small and simple to deal with um, for comparing um, some of the capabilities of these tools. Uh, so um, if you write that function that way in Agda, Agda's termination checker is totally happy because it can see that when you make the recursive call to zero on x, when you started out with successor of x, you are making a structurally recursive call. You're using, you're making a recursive call on a structural sub-value of the input. The input value is suck x, and you're making a recursive call on x. This is in, these are inductive data types, so that means that you cannot dig through the data type 
forever. Eventually, you'll hit a base case. Uh, and so Agdiv will totally accept that function. Uh, Agdiv would correctly reject various like variants of this that are actually non-terminating. Like, for example, um, suppose that in the successor of X case, you made a recursive call on successor of X. Well, that would be silly of you, wouldn't it? If you actually accidentally did that, it'd be silly of us. And Agdiv's termination checker will immediately detect that and just tell you no, that's not allowed because there's no structural decrease. If you started with suck X and you make a recursive call on suck X, nothing got any smaller. You're not making your way toward a base case. So Agda will correctly reject that. Um, another example is, what if in the successor case, um, actually I should have put this in my little intro.md. I didn't think about writing this. I wrote a little bit different version of this. What if in the successor case you say, well, the 2,0 function, if you give it successor of x, calls 2,0 of 3. Okay? A specific value unrelated to the successor of x value you started with. I'm just going to reject that as well because, again, you're not making a recursive call on a structural sub-value of what you started with. And of course, that function would absolutely be diverging, right? Say you called that 2-0, this kind of particular variant of 2-0. Say you called it with 5, okay? So then Agda will say, all right, 2-0 of 5. Well, 5 is really successor of 4, so we're in the successor case. And um, in the successor case, we call 2-0 of 3. So you'll call 2-0 of 3. And now Agda will say, now as you compute, right, you'll say, okay, Three is successor of two. I'm in the successor of case again, so I call two zero of three. Uh oh, I'm looping. Whatever successor number I started with, I immediately jump to three, and then I call two zero repeatedly on three forever. So that's not terminating, and Agda's termination checker will correctly tell you that's not allowed in a terminating language. You can't do that. Um. So now here's now here's some variants that are terminating, uh, and Let's say that you, imagine you write a function half that takes a natural number and it tries to give you roughly half of that value. And the way it would do that is it will recursively try to peel off two successors from your input number and put one successor back in the output, right? So the code would be like half of zero is zero, half of successor of zero is again zero, and half of successor of successor of x is successor of half of x. So the pattern matches on two successors of an x and returns one successor of, and then it out recurses on x. Okay, so that's half. Now, the half function, um, the way the code I just described, if you give the half function a successor number, you're going to get a smaller number. If you gave it zero, you get the same zero back. But if you gave it a successor number, it would give you a small number. Um, so, and, and actually, even in the zero case, it's giving you a number that's no bigger than what you started with. So imagine a variant of 2,0 where you say in the successor case, in this variant, you're going to make a recursive call. But So like if you started with successor of x, instead of making a recursive call on x, let's say that instead what you do is make a recursive call on half x. Now, generally, nesting you know, making recursive calls on the output of functions is the kind of thing that is generally uh, prohibited by termination checkers. Um, I was amazed, actually, to see that Agda actually accepts 
this variant of 2.0, it says, oh yeah, that's fine. Now, what is it doing under the hood to figure out that that's fine? Who knows? Agda is like 100,000 lines of Haskell or so. And somewhere in there, there's some analysis that's figuring out that, oh yeah. I mean, I don't know exactly what kind of principled analysis it's doing um, to figure out that that case is sound. But there presumably is some kind of um, analysis that it's doing to know that in this case, uh, half is not increasing the size of the function. Um, and, you know, there is, so that's that's actually pretty amazing that Agda can accept that. And there is, uh, I just want to note, when we talk about checking termination, there's actually an amazingly powerful array of algorithms for checking termination available from the term rewriting community. There's an annual termination competition where various termination checking tools um, but duke it out trying to check termination of various really tricky term rewriting systems. And, but in the end, these are trying to be, you know, algorithmic. They're trying to detect termination or not. So just given any, so in this, in the context of, of the problem we're talking about, it'd just be like, given any piece of code, they're going to just try using who knows what clever tricks and heuristics to figure out if it's terminating. But we know that that will necessi of necessity be limited, right? Now, just because it's limited sort of in theory doesn't mean this couldn't be super useful in practice. Um, and generally, it, it's I, there's definitely been, I think, a lot of interest in the term rewriting side. I know, for example, there's interest in having proof-producing termination checkers so that you could have a chance of importing a termination checker's results into an interactive theorem prover. Now, I don't know what the situation is right now. It, it's certainly possible that either now or in the future, a tool like Agda could invoke a termination checker to try to figure out if your code is terminating. And that would go way, way beyond um, what the structural, just structural check for termination could, could give you. So that'd be powerful. But as I said, it would still, you're still relying on an algorithm to analyze code and figure out termination, and that is going to be of necessity um, limited. So uh, um, I'd like to give you, let's see, okay, actually, I think I'll, um, I want to mention now, I want to talk a little bit about how, actually, no, I was going to talk about how, so DCS can handle this this 2.0 variant where you make a recursive call on half. Um, but I think I might talk about that in a, in a subsequent episode, exactly how it does that. Um, let me talk about another, you know, so DCS is trying to solve the problem of termination for these kind of functions, but the important difference is it's not trying to, first of all, it's not trying to analyze your code. Um, it's using typing. So there's no extra code, that, no extra algorithm that looks at code and says, is this terminating or not? DCS just is using typing. Um, and there's, it has a specific interface, typed interface. And if you code your function, your recursive function against this interface, then it's guaranteeing, DCS guarantees to you that your function terminates. Um, so, uh, but there's the kind of another difference here is not just in sort of how the analysis is carried out, but also the fact that um, you, the programmer, are going to get a little more involved in the showing DCS that your function terminates than you generally would with the automated termination checking. So you're not going to write a proof, which that could be done in type theory as well. We can talk about that. I'm pretty sure I've talked about this before on this podcast, but I might revisit that um, to connect it with what we're talking about. Um, you're not going to actually write a proof of termination, which you can do in type theories. But DCS actually, at the moment at least, is not a type theory. It's just a functional programming language. So there's no opportunity to write a proof of termination. It's just 
you can't proof anything. It's not a theorem proving language. Um, it's a programming language. So, uh, but there is something you, the programmer, are supposed to do to show to help DCS see that your code terminates, which is you're supposed to, you know, you're writing a typed program, and so you may need to um, use typing in a possibly a somewhat clever way to help DCS's type inference algorithm see that you're um, correctly following the interface. So, um, I, I want to mention one more uh, example, which is that, so that Agda could handle this two zero half, but an example that it can't handle, and it's just a matter of obscuring your code enough, <clears throat> and at some point if you obscure things enough, then um, it's just can't deal with it. So, here's a way to obscure your code. So imagine um, we write an iterate function on natural numbers. So it's basically like fold on natural numbers. It's you say what to do. You have a function to apply when the number is a successor. You use, give a value to use in the base case when the number is zero. And then when you say iter with this function and this value in the base for the base case um, over some natural number, then you just apply the function that many times as specified by the natural number to that starting value. Right, so if I said like iter f a three, I'm going to get f of f of f of a. So nested calls to f, starting with a. <clears throat> now imagine you have a version of two zero, another variant that's also terminating, but Agda definitely can't tell this. And what you do is you say in the in the step case, you say this this variant two zero of suck x. You make a recursive call. You say two zero on, and now you iterate the identity function x times starting with x. Iterating the identity function, of course, doesn't change your value. And so when you iterate the identity functions any number of times, you could you could pick three, or but if you pick x, for example, um, then you're just getting x back. But this is completely obscured what's going on. An Agnes termination checker cannot tell that iter id x x is really just x. And so when you make a recursive call on iter id x x, Agnes is just like, I don't know. This is not allowed. And the determination checker will give you an error. Um, now, that's actually kind of a fun case because DCS can handle that case. Um, so not, not that our goal is to handle obfuscated code, but just to kind of make a point of comparison. All right. So um, I think that's actually all at the time I have for right at the moment. And um, in my next episode, I will try to tell you about how DCS handles these two um, cases, like where we... Um, are making recursive calls on the values results we get back from other functions. So thanks a lot for listening. And you know, I've got an open invitation. If you're a listener of this podcast, uh, check out the repo for DCS. You can clone it and um, try to install. I do have one issue right now. Somebody's there seems to be something weird with the Haskell um, parser generator where it's generating a file that it. Haskell then can't compile, which just seems like that should not happen. So somebody did run into an issue with particular versions of Haskell and Alex and stuff. Um, but most people who tried this haven't had a problem. So you know, just you can try installing and you can try playing around with it. You can try seeing the code that's already there in the, the sort of growing standard library, or try writing your own code. And I'm welcoming contributions from you, the Type Theory Commute Lister. All right, thanks again. Hope you're well wherever you are.